Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities and your spot for unedited, uncensored, uncut conversation with local newsmakers, everyone from entertainers to politicians and more. It's here on this show. I'm Sean Leary, your host. And today our guest is one of our regular guests, actually. Uh, he's a friend of the show, and this I think this is your third appearance, I think so. third or fourth appearance on the show. We've had, this is our 52nd show that we've done, um, so I think you're in the lead here, Dylan. Right. It's either you, Andrew Arnold, or Mike Tomes, and Mike Tomes has been on three times, too. So, um, Dylan Parker. Uh, Dylan is the um, fifth ward alderman here in Rock Island, which covers... Uh, the downtown area and of course i've been a long time rock island resident i have been a big champion for the downtown i used to work downtown here at the rock island argus building which sadly is no more and um so i always love having dylan on the show because we both share the passion of trying to build up downtown rock island and make it a great place to live and so dylan thank you so much for agreeing to be on qc uncut again no problem sean happy to be here always a pleasure (laughs) so Let's get started with, you know, kind of a general state of um, how are things going here in the downtown? What are some things that you see as highlights, as things that you're looking forward to building upon, things of that nature? Obviously, I have some questions we talked about, you know, um, things that I want to touch upon, but... The floor is yours, Dylan. What do you see as being some of the big issues? Where are some of the things going on behind the scenes that people maybe don't know about and should know about? Well, I would say the biggest thing broadly is uh, we are very close to finalizing getting downtown listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, Talking about how many times I've been on this show, uh, this is something that I was talking about probably on the first time that we were here. It's been a lengthy bureaucratic process. Recently, our application was approved by the state, the state of Illinois' Historic Preservation Office, and so now it goes to the National Park Service, who maintains that register. Um, So I've just been watching that move along the proper channels uh, with our local City of Rock Island Preservation Commission, um, uh, the consultant that we hired to create the application uh, with a grant that we received, and then... Uh, now, like I said, it's at the National Park Service waiting to be approved. And, you know, this is going to be a game changer for downtown Rock Island. It's going to put us on similar um, uh, investment. Uh, what's the right word? And similar benefits to investing in buildings in downtown Rock Island uh, as our neighbors over in Davenport have and, and Moline. Both of their downtowns are listed on the National Register, which opens up um, historic tax credits for developers that want to redevelop uh, historic buildings in downtown. Previously, developers have had to <coughs> individually uh, list their properties on the National Register if they wanted to take advantage of these tax credits. Now, with the downtown district being listed on the register, all properties within that district, which is all of the buildings in downtown Rock Island, will be automatically eligible for those tax credits. So that, that just takes away one step that a developer would have to do uh, to secure the tax credits that they need to get these projects done. So big scale Uh, That is one of the biggest changes that's going to be happening here in Rock Island that will definitely incentivize developers to consider doing these 
big projects you reference the dispatch argus building or the argus building i guess mm -hmm. um that would be a good candidate for a project that would utilize these tax credits both the federal and uh thanks to our <coughs> state uh general assembly who just passed a state historic tax credit now we have those available too so um, that is nearly completed. I've been pushing this since day one, 2017. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that being completed. Now, um, when do you see that being completed? And we had, you know, talked before, we've talked about this a couple of times. The, um, there seems to be, you know, a few people who are kind of accumulating property down here in the downtown and there's sort of this you know six one half dozen the other mentality of are they doing it just for the tax write-offs and keeping these buildings fallow or have they been playing the long game and figuring that eventually this was going to happen and they were waiting for these tax incentives in order to develop these buildings um, so give me a timeline of when you think this is going to come through and are there people do you think that are kind of on the sidelines waiting for this to come through and do you see this being a quick influx of money to come down here and help things out uh well i would anticipate it to be done by the end of this year so um the 2020 hopefully uh that will be all completed um there was a number of questions or issues that you brought up there so um the, uh, I, I don't I, I want to caution people on thinking that there's going to be a quick influx of dollars being invested in downtown Rock Island um, this is just a tool that we will have to uh, market developing you know investing in downtown Rock Island it's not like the floodgates will open up and all of a sudden all of the buildings in downtown Rock Island will be redeveloped we are still going to have to do our job in creating and maintaining relationships with developers uh, with the local um, real estate community community and uh, things like that uh, so it's a tool that we have but if we don't have the right um, people doing the work then it's just like being a mechanic you could have all the nicest snap-on tools in the world but if you don't have somebody who knows how to use them and is daily using them to fix a car the car is not going to get fixed right um, so it won't happen overnight, but this is going to be a big uh, improvement from the way in the past. We will have uh, a tool that our team, which are hardworking individuals in the Community and Economic Development Department and our uh, development partners in groups like the Development Association of Rock Island, DARI, um, will very much be able to capitalize on and sell to potential developers. Um, regarding the number of people who have been quote-unquote holding on to empty buildings in downtown rock island i think you know i hear i hear like you say both sides where uh people are just holding on to these buildings to use them as a tax write-off well that very well may be the case and so we need to um we need to address that in, in a multi-pronged approach um one being we need to create the atmosphere where it just naturally makes sense to invest money in downtown Rock Island, right? There are people that are holding on to buildings in downtown Rock Island that want a million dollars for them that probably shouldn't get a million dollars for them right now. Um, but why, you know, it's our job to create the ecosystem where there is so much economic interest that you could get a million dollars for it, right? Um, but then also at the same time, we do need to make sure that um, we are not allowing our downtown to become stagnant by speculative developers that just 
will refuse to acknowledge the reality that, hey, if nobody blinks, you're never going to get that million dollar development. So things like the vacant property registry that I've been also been pushing for a while that I hope to have completed here in a year or so, um, that will be able to address and de-incentivize the fiscal benefits of sitting on an empty building. Explain that and how it works. So the vacant property registry, a number of municipalities across the country have been creating these uh, vacant property registries where basically currently there is no formal registry system or anything like that that the city of Rock Island has to maintain the empty buildings that we have in this city, whether residential or commercial or industrial, whatever. Um, there is like a nuisance ordinance that the city has where property owners are required to keep the grass mowed at their properties or stuff like that. Um, but there is no real registry that maintains knowledge of what empty buildings do we have around here? How many of them are residential? How many of them are commercial? What type of rules do we have? With your, if you're going to have an empty building in Rock Island, are you required to board it up? Are you required to winterize it? Are you required to... Um, list it you know commercially there's there's nothing like that and so a vacant property registry um, puts some standards into what you have to do if you're going to have an empty building in rock island you have to winterize it for example so that you're not going to have the pipes burst and then it further becomes more difficult to redevelop um, but then also something that i'm particularly interested in is associating fees and um potentially a different rates of property taxes on vacant buildings. Um, if you are going to have an empty building in Rock Island, then sure, but you're going to pay a property tax rate at a higher rate than, um, than a property that has tenants in it. Mm -hmm. um, now, naturally, there are all sorts of details in this, right? Um, what if it's a residential property that somebody's trying to rent and they just can't find a good tenant? Right? I mean, should they be penalized for that? What type of timeline are we talking about? If it's one month empty, are you on the list? Or is it a year, right? Um, there's all sorts of uh, specifics that need to be addressed, and that's why it's taking so long to be addressed. Mm -hmm. um, but basically... Well, and you also want to make sure that people aren't, like, pulling some scam where they're, quote-unquote, signing someone to a lease, but there's nobody really there. Right. Yeah, exactly. If we've... Uh, a motto that we have been having in Rock Island City Hall is, you know, there's lots of work to be done, but let's take our time to make sure it's done right, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we want to make sure that the policies and the programs that we put into place actually benefit the city of Rock Island for decades to come. Imagine if we would have had a vacant property registry put into place in the 80s when we saw the, the farm manufacturing crisis and people started moving out and we began the problem of urban blight. Um, imagine if we had something like this in place, a quality vacant property registry. That would have saved decades of uh, headache for the city of Rock Island. And so we're trying to do, or at least I am trying to do, big structural changes to the city of Rock Island. Um, I can focus on one individual empty building, and I do get plenty of my constituents will email me or call me and say, hey, there's an empty building next to me. The grass is five feet tall. Can somebody address this? And I do forward those along to the proper channels, and then they get mowed, and the property owner gets billed um, because of our nuisance ordinance. But, you know, what it's a better idea, in my opinion, to create new systems that can systemically address these problems instead of just the 
one by one and what happens if the next alderman isn't as responsive or doesn't care or the what if the next city staffer that's in charge of this just is slower or something right it has to be more systemic and not dependent on the individuals doing the work so that's uh, been my priority is trying to adopt these bigger scale systems that are going to be well thought out and put into place to really benefit the city for decades to come What's it been like working with your fellow aldermen and working with um, Mike Tomes as mayor? Well, we have a number of new aldermen now, uh, alder people. Um, so I am getting used to the change since uh, for, for my tenure on city council, I've only worked with one group of aldermen, the last uh, group of aldermen before the election here. And so this was my first experience of being an incumbent or, you know, being on the city council and having new council members come on board. Um, so that's been interesting. Um, it's honestly caused me to reflect a lot on how I was when I first got on city council, kind of <laughs> an eye roll, just like, uh, man, I was probably really annoying when I came on board. Um, just because there is such different perspective from being, I don't want to say outside inside, but there's so much perspective from not uh, knowing the details and the, um, you know, the, the real close view of what's going on in City Hall as opposed to what you see just being a regular citizen, reading the newspaper, going to ward meetings, even really active constituents still don't get the daily emails, the big, you know, the bigger picture stuff like that. Um, trying to figure out ways to better communicate things like that, but ultimately you do you have a bit different perspective from being quote-unquote on the inside. Um, and so a lot of my effort has been trying to greet the new council members. Um, we had our council goal-setting session a number of weeks ago now, maybe a month or two ago now. Time flies, especially in the summer. But we had our goal-setting session, and so before that I reached out to all of the alder people and said, hey, do you want to meet before this? Let's get coffee. Let's talk about your priorities. I can share my priorities. We can figure out if there's things that we can agree on to both try to you know prioritize during the goal setting session things like that um with the new older people uh there's obviously things that we're going to disagree with uh, policies practices personalities um but ultimately if we can move past all of that and find the places where we do agree on and there is a lot that we agree on developing downtown rock island what to do about empty buildings marketing the city etc uh, if we just focus on that it's going to be a good group so looking forward to it what are some of the things that um you guys are doing to market the downtown to kind of promote this area um and help the city in general well our marketing focus is uh citywide it's not necessarily for the downtown uh last year or maybe the year before i lose track but we recently hired a communications director jason wild um he has jay wild I don't remember what his private business is, but he does his own. That's it. Yeah, I, I know Jason. Jason, yeah, Jay Wild Marketing or Media uh, or something yeah. like that. Um, but he, uh, we hired him on a marketing consultant basis, um, a marketing services agreement. Um, so he's technically not an employee of the city, but you know, a lot more businesses and ent uh, enterprises are going to this model of, hey, we need marketing for the city. Don't hire a staffer that's the marketing director or whatever who then is on the city's health care the retirement which 
retirement pensions for municipalities in Illinois is a big deal right now. Right. Um, Instead, we'll just hire a consultant to do these services for us. Um, And it's working out really well. Jason um, is very responsive. I just emailed him yesterday about, hey, um, let's, uh, there's a, there's a public workshop about the Illinois 92 corridor that's being, uh, it's a planning thing for how do we update the Illinois 92 corridor from Rock Island to Silvis being done by Bi-State Regional Commission. And I forwarded that along to Jason Wild and said, hey, Jason, how do we get this out to all of the citizens of Rock Island to have them participate in this too? Uh, and immediately he wrote back and said, I got some ideas. I'll do it. So he helps out with Facebook. We, you know, our, our city Facebook has been a lot more active we've gotten more and more likes every month uh, a lot more responsiveness when people message the city of rock island's facebook page he responds back and answers their questions or direct them to where they want to go um so that's really important is just instilling trust uh by constituents in their city government that just like any other business if i buy something from Coles and i have a problem i'll message them on facebook and if they don't respond, I mean, it's 2019. If they don't respond, it's like, oh, gee, I'm really glad that I spent my money there. Mm-hmm. Well, plenty of people spend a lot of money in the city of Rock Island, whether it be through shopping or property taxes or whatever. And so we want to make sure that they have good experiences and they feel welcomed and that their tax dollars are going towards a group that are going to be responsive to their needs. Uh, so he's really helped out with that. Um, regarding the downtown, we are... We're considering a similar deal like we do with Jason. He's citywide, so anything related, whether it be Parks and Rec Department, whether it be um, the downtown. I mean, he does plenty of stuff for downtown, ribbon cuttings, things like that for businesses down here. But, you know, if there's something going on with the marina, he'll do something there. Uh, But specifically with downtown, or, yeah, with downtown Rock Island, um, we are looking at maybe doing a similar, like, services agreement for um, generally speaking economic development services for downtown Rock Island which would include marketing component as well Uh, if you recall the downtown Rock Island partnership used to do a magazine uh, for down here and I used to write for it yeah they have since uh, discontinued that but that was pretty incredible Um, so maybe uh, issuing an RFQ or an RFP uh, to provide services like that for downtown or maybe citywide but with a focus on downtown and then entities like Dari or uh, the Downtown Rock Island Partnership could uh, submit uh, a bid for that project. So um, different ideas in the works but uh, working our way that direction. You guys should work with us. QuadSodies.com. You could have your own page and everything for Rock Island. You're more. I mean, I would encourage you to submit something if and when we put out an RFQ for something like that. So, stay in touch with me, Dylan. Let me know. We'd be more than happy to help. I more than happy to. <laughs> so, um, some of the properties down here. One of the big ones, of course, the courthouse. Um, what's the situation with the courthouse currently? Where do you see, stand in regard to that? Um, and uh, what do you see happening with it? I mean, obviously, that's uh, a huge deal. Um, oddly enough, uh, it's kind of tangential, but we saw a very a similar situation take place in Davenport recently, um, where a 
building which had uh, bidders on it or people were coming forward to offer quite a bit of money on it ended up being undersold and now there's talk of you know conflicts of interest and things of that nature in regard to that um kind of off the topic but on the topic as well similar thing um where do you see that going i mean do you, th- you think that you know it's a fait complete that's it's done it's just a matter of like dragging it out and it's going to happen it's going to get demolished or, or do you think there is a chance of it of it uh you know being maintained especially now that they're kind of allowing it to sort of decay and fall into a state of disrepair uh, well, the short answer to that is it's all up to the litigation at this point. Um, so the city of Rock Island has pretty much um, gone as far as it feels comfortable with respect to the courthouse issue. Uh, it's not a city building. It's owned by the county. The county is the one involved in the litigation. It's the county's decision. Uh, the city of Rock Island has passed a resolution saying that we would uh, welcome an intergovernmental agreement with the county to share our economic development staff and experience to help um, identify a developer for it. Um, we cited things like turning a currently zero revenue generating structure in Rock Island, the city, uh, because it's a county building, it's a government building, they don't pay property taxes, they don't have any sales tax, etc. cetera. Uh, converting that into lofts, retail, offices, whatever it could be, which would generate uh, revenue for the city of Rock Island is obviously a good thing. The more that we can generate on that front is the less that we have to rely on our current property taxpayers by increasing the levy. Um, So uh, the city of Rock Island has said that, hey, we have an interest in this. We understand that it's the county's decision, but we do have an interest and we're willing to work with the county if they decide to do that. Uh, It's become pretty clear that the county is not interested in doing that. There's been plenty of reporting about, um, you know, the litigants have offered to settle with with the county and they don't appear interested in that. So... Uh, from my outside perspective, because I'm not party of any of the internal conversations going on at the county or whatever, um, they're just waiting for the litigation to take its course. It, uh, the case was dismissed by the judge in Peoria, and then it was appealed to the appellate court. Uh, pretty impressive that a bunch of Rock Island and Rock Island County preservationists were able to post the $300,000 bond. Um, that was required for the for the appellate court to consider their case, uh, but they did. And so now I think the last I saw sometime this month or next month, um, there's supposed to be some progress on the case. Um, court cases take forever, mm-hmm. and so I don't yeah. know uh, what the timeline is. But I did find it interesting that uh, the Illinois Attorney General, uh, Kwame Raoul, uh, weighed in on the case and I don't know if it was like a um, um, a friend of the court briefing, uh, amicus briefing. I can't remember the legal term. But anyway, I don't remember exactly what the nomenclature was. But the Illinois Attorney General did weigh in uh, on the side, I believe, of the preservationist organizations um, saying that uh, tearing down the courthouse may be in violation of the um, Illinois Historic Properties Act or whatever the act is that's being cited as why this is illegal so that was particularly interesting that the uh, illinois attorney general uh, got involved in the case Mm -hmm. too so 
Uh, time will tell, but ultimately from the city of Rock Island's perspective, we would be more than happy to work with anybody to convert that into a revenue generating structure, a beautiful structure, so that when people cross the centennial, that's what they see, a cool new office building or something like that. Um, and I've said this in city council meetings, but there has been interest from developers. Uh, I've been contacted by a number of developers uh, not only the ones that are cited by the preservationists when they go to the county, but a number of developers that have said, hey, what's the status with this courthouse building? Uh, we'd be interested. And because of that, I've been able to forward them along to our economic development staff, and now they're looking at doing other projects in downtown Rock Island, even if the courthouse doesn't work. Um, but it has been a good lightning rod to reinvigorate historic redevelopment in downtown Rock Island just to remind people who do that as a business that there are people in Rock Island in downtown Rock Island that understand the economic benefit of historic preservation and that we are more than happy to provide you the tools like the downtown being listed on the National Register and the partnership and saying yeah this is a good idea let's go forward with it what about the giant former church across the street uh, any you know, nibbles on that one? Uh, well, that's privately owned. That's owned by the Stern uh, family, uh, Master, and I believe. And so we are always in communication with Stern saying, hey, what's your plan? What can we do here? Um, you know, trying to wheel and deal, get something done there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're talking about, like, people coming across the bridge, and first thing they see is a courthouse ready for demolition and an empty church building. So welcome to Rock Island. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the best uh, entryway, and so we certainly need to do something there. And we, you know, it is frustrating having things being owned privately uh, and trying to work with developers. We have another development agreement in place right now with with Matt Stern on another project on 20th Street, and that's moving forward, and that's that's pretty exciting. Um, so, you know. We will get there eventually, and any opportunity that we can to work with somebody, we will. Um, that kind of like leads into, speaking of the Stearns, um, we talked about the fact that marijuana is going to be legalized starting January 1st here in Illinois. I know that they've kind of positioned themselves in terms of, you know, medical dispensaries and things like that. And, you know, it's a smart business decision. You've kind of seen it coming for a while. And um, what do you see in regard to the future in terms of that here in Rock Island? Obviously, um, we're a border town. Um, uh, we in Moline and over in Iowa it's not going to be legal and so you can imagine people are going to come over from the Iowa side, come across the bridge and partake and so you would think that that's going to be an economic advantage for Rock Island, certainly. Um, has there been any inquiries up to this point? Um, I know, I think the Stearns own, there's a dispensary out in Milan, I believe, medical dispensary. Has there been any inquiries by them in terms of uh, a recreational license or anything of that nature? Um, any, any movement in regard to that? And what do you see happening, you know, be Nostradamus for a moment and see. I know exactly. And um, what do you see happening the beginning of next year and into 2020 in regard to that and how it's going to help economically? 
Yes, the legalization of recreational marijuana in Illinois is going to be a game changer uh, for the state and for Rock Island, I believe. Um, I, as one alderman on the council of eight of us, including the mayor, am very much in favor of allowing uh, cannabis businesses in Rock Island. Um, there has been a lot of interest already in people wanting to start businesses related to the cannabis industry in Rock Island, whether that be uh, dispensaries, lounges, THC-infused coffee shops, all sorts of crazy ideas. Um, <clears throat> now. Luckily, the state law gives a lot of freedom to the local municipality to decide on what it wants to allow and not allow. Um, and so currently, the council is deliberating this. Um, I haven't heard a lot of feedback from my fellows on the city council, but um, I certainly, as one, will be advocating. Uh, obviously, we don't want it to be laissez-faire and, and a Wild West out here, right? It needs to be regulated just like uh, alcohol is in downtown right. Rock Island. Um, but I, I think that it certainly gives us an opportunity to spur a lot of economic um, interest and development in downtown Rock Island. You know, let's have a recreational dispensary down here and then uh, a lounge or two so that people can go get the stuff and then enjoy it here. Um, you know, what is that going to do for restaurants in downtown Rock Island, obviously, <laughs> right? That's sort of uh, cliche, but... So when is the Taco Bell opening here in downtown? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that uh, uh, it's definitely an opportunity, and I don't want to see us pass on it. I know already there's a number of suburbs, uh, you know, Chicagoland suburbs that are wanting to ban uh, the purchase or the sale of recreational marijuana within their municipalities. The state law does give municipalities the right to do that. Um, but not only would that mean that the municipality is going to miss out on the tax benefits of being able to tax the sale of recreational marijuana within their municipality, but then also, like I said, the, the, the ripple effect of new businesses coming in, whether they be related to transportation or like a, uh, retail, food, etc. Um, and I don't want Rock Island to miss out on that bus. So, yeah, there's a lot of interest. Um, the Illinois Municipal League, which is the statewide sort of uh, I don't know, trade association is not the right word, but it's a statewide group for Illinois municipalities to work together. Um, they've already provided sort of uh, template ordinances to help us uh, guide our decision making on, okay, if we want to do this but not that, what would that look like legally speaking? Our uh, municipal attorney has been looking into that very much so. Uh, coincidentally, we are currently in the process of updating our zoning ordinance. Um, and not not spurred because of this issue but because of this issue it's very timely because we're going to have to address things like recreational marijuana in our zoning code right now there's nothing in there about what is allowed if somebody wants to open up a cannabis lounge well, i mean what kind of zoning is that right uh so we are going to be addressing that in those updates too so uh, in my opinion, it's a race to try to get this done by January 1st and to be as welcoming and partnering to anybody, whether it be the Stern family with their medical uh, dispensary, who has first dibs for a recreational dispensary according to the state law, um, or the number of other people that have reached out to me saying, hey, I want to open up this business, hey, I want to open up that business, uh, I think we need to be ready. Well, that brings up a good point, is that there are a number of people who have been dealing illegally for years um some of them obviously you know you get into some sketchy elements in terms of you know some 
unseemly behavior in terms of violence and things of that nature but there are a lot of people who also not very not violent people really they just grow pot in their house and they deal it and you know it's not like they've got you know they're strapped with machine guns or anything like that they're just providing a service to people who have uh you know expressed a demand for it um what type of inroads is going to be made for people of that nature? Um, it's kind of, you know, been a concern and been something that's been brought up that here's this thing that was illegal previously. And so the, there's a stigma upon people that have been growing it. Oftentimes a stigma, especially on people of color, lower economic status and, you know, people within certain neighborhoods. But once it becomes legal, all of a sudden you see the respectable white businessmen come in and be able to make money on it, and then it's seen as something that's just part of the fabric of society, which is a double standard, honestly. What efforts, if any, have been made to sort of ameliorate that? Uh, the state law that legalized recreational marijuana very much had this in mind. Uh, it's been lauded as the most equitable uh, legalization of marijuana, recreational marijuana across the country, the number of states that have done this now. Illinois is the most equitable. Um, there's a number of ways in which they've tried to address fixing the uh, errors of the war on drugs, um, whether that be uh, it for example, when applying for a license to have a recreational dispensary, um, it prioritizes people that come from neighborhoods that have been affected by the war on drugs or people of color, things like that. So that, like you say, it's not just a bunch of white businessmen that run in and are able to pick up all these licenses and then everybody else gets left out in the cold. No, it's going to prioritize people of color that want to open up a business like this. Um, really interesting and unique ways to do this like there's programs now in the state prison system where they're going to be teaching people that have been locked up for just uh you know for selling marijuana of here's the process to get a license to do this legit right um so that's a pretty interesting way to do this um and then also there there is a fund that the state law creates that is a portion of the ta of the state tax on marijuana sales is going into this fund and the money in this fund is only available to census tracts within the state that have been affected by the war on drugs and that has a number of uh, requirements on how you define that but it's like you know if there's x number if there's a history of x number of arrests for marijuana possession in that census tract that qualifies if the uh if the median income for that census tract is at this level or, or you know what's the census data look like for that census tract um, and so for those census tracts that have been deemed affected by the war on drugs those ones will be the only one available where municipalities or local governments will be able to spend money from this state fund for things like infrastructure improvement, like fixing roads, installing street lights, um, things of that nature, uh, addressing code violations for people's houses, people's houses that are falling apart. They'll be able to use some of these monies to fix those up. Uh, so that was a really brilliant way, in my opinion, of trying to address this very issue of uh, in the communities, in the in the in the concrete communities, the actual physical locations where people have been arrested over and over for possessing marijuana 
now that we have decided ah, that was a bad idea, we shouldn't have done that, now we have real money put aside to fix those communities, literally the infrastructure of those communities. So it's really exciting, and I'm very much looking forward to taking advantage of it here in Rock Island. Um, have you or any of the other aldermen or Mayor Tomes um, made any visits to any other cities that have um, have been in this uh, predicament, not predicament, this situation, it's not a predicament really. Um, I mean, I actually last year just traveled out to, um, was gone for a couple of weeks, drove out through Colorado, Nevada, California, all of which have legal marijuana and have for quite a while. Um, went through Boulder, Denver, Las Vegas, LA, San Diego, and you don't really see it's not like the wild west and lawlessness and people are like outside smoking joints constantly and a lot of the research has shown that um there's actually a a, a very small amount of um people that um are kind of trying it out who haven't done it before it's usually the people who have been regular smokers that just find it easier to get it now it's not as if like all these other people are like oh wow well i really have been wanting to try pot but uh you know it was illegal and so now i'm going to do it now that it's legal and even those that have that you don't see that turn into habitual users um so i think that uh, that was that's one of the intriguing sociological aspects of it is that you don't see this mass adoption it's it's just kind of the same type the same people who have been doing it maybe a little bit more who kind of come on board and and now it's it's easier for them to get it um but there are certain elements of it within those cities and it shows how you can kind of put that together like downtown boulder you go around and there's like four or five different dispensaries and there's a big long strip and downtown that to me it's very similar to the district where you start down by desoto and Roztax and you go up that second avenue strip downtown boulder is a lot the same way where there's this long stretch of businesses restaurants shops things of that nature um that i think could be a cool template for something looking at the future of rock island is that something you guys have done looked at what other cities have you looked at in terms of you know trying to figure out a way to to uh utilize this to your best advantage uh i have not visited any other communities in person and i don't know if my colleagues on city council have or if staff have um but that very much is in our mind i mean i'm a big fan of not recreating the wheel uh, the ideas that I've already been discussing here, the, the uh, getting downtown listed on the National Register for Historic Places, the vacant property registry, I didn't come up with any of these ideas. I just, <laughs> I just Googled, you know, like, huh, what are other places doing to fix these problems that we have, right? I mean, it's not that hard. Google exists. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we are still researching best practices on how to most benefit from these investments. Uh, and exactly what you're saying is what we're thinking. You know, where are key locations that will draw the most people from Iowa, for example? You know, that's very much on our mind of do we want to have it way out in Blackhawk Road, which may not draw as many people from Iowa, or do we want to have it you know, across the street from the courthouse, right in that church that you, you know, that's sitting there right now, right, right at the foot of the Centennial Bridge. Uh, and and given that, and I'm curious about that's what you mentioned that the Stearns own that building. That that to me looks 
they're not I mean they're smart people they're smart business people and there's got to be a reason that they're holding on to that and maybe it's because they think that the courthouse is going to be turned into a white castle I don't know (laughs) yeah I mean the Stern family is obviously very smart business people and I'm I'm sure that they are that this is part of their calculations right now Um, whether it's going to happen or not I don't know the Stern's own other properties in downtown Rock Island Um, but you know that would be an obvious one or that would be an obvious location but getting back to your question um, very much trying to think of like uh, where would the most sensible places be you know we've got a we've kind of got this little I don't know if artists sectors whatever the phrase you want to be but down by DeSoto right yeah, you got yeah. DeSoto you got Rostocks you got uh, Future Apple Tree Studios you got uh, Ragged Ragged Records it's, it's sort of turning into this cool little strip it there is, is. and so would a marijuana display right there would be a good place. Uh, I, I would say so. Would but, say so. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's very much just trying to figure out who owns the properties. And that's right off of Arsenal. You swing right around from Arsenal and boom. Bingo. It's very close to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It's working with our partners in the private industry, right? I mean, even if the city might think, oh, that place would be the perfect place if it's not got a cooperative owner or the current owner isn't eligible to get a license, you know, that it doesn't matter what the city wants to do. Um, so we have to weigh all of these things and work with whatever opportunity we have to find the best location. The other thing is it's a dead end. So you don't have the traffic issues that you might have um, at a, you know, like the fourth or, you know, that we're just going through as a thoroughfare and you might have people speeding through. There's nobody speeding down at the end of DeSoto because, you know, there's no place to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would be a good location. Hopefully we can find a partner to get it done. So, um... Speaking on another controversial topic, Dylan, um, I wanted to allow you to expound upon this. Uh, you've been in the news recently for your your alleged criminal activity here uh, in regard to the um, the city's appropriations fund for for aldermen. So. I realize that you know when you're dealing with a lot of the the traditional media, you don't have the leeway to contextualize your comments. Everything, the nature of the beast in a newspaper is they clip your quotes down in order to make it fit a space that they've got in the newspaper. That's the way it goes. Same thing with electronic media, whether it's be radio or television. They have to clip down your comments into sound bites in order to edit it down for space. This is a podcast. It's online. It's one of the great things about this podcast that people love about it, whether it be guests or listeners. You can talk as much as you want. It's the it's the internet. So yeah. this can go on two, three, four hours, whatever. You've got all the time in the world. Why don't you explain to our listeners exactly what happened here in regard to this controversy that you find kind of found yourself in and explain your position from your perspective and also talk about some of the other stuff that went on with you know the other aldermen and and things of that nature and you do that i'm going to go grab a refill real quick and come right back while you're explaining that to our audience okay sounds good all right well um so yeah the aldermanic representation fund thing has not been all that fun to deal with recently Uh, but uh, it it was a good opportunity to revisit and reconsider and think hey are we doing what's best here Uh, every 
Um, every bad situation is an opportunity to improve, right? So that was the approach that we tried to take. Um, so for those that are not familiar with what was going on, um, the city of Rock Island has historically appropriated 20, or not 20, two to $4,000 for aldermen, older people to use uh, while conducting city business. And that's, for example, like going uh, to a convention that relates to what we're doing, like the upcoming Illinois Municipal League uh, conference that I will be going to, or things like buying water for a ward meeting or a pickup or something like that, right? Uh, historically, there hasn't been very strict rules written down associated with what aldermen could do to spend money, you know, to what what would qualify as spending for the public good. Um, there are a number of federal and state laws that broadly say that, you know, public money has to be spent for the public good, but specifically, what does that mean? Not so much. And so, yeah, the... the imp- well, yeah, that's rather vague. I, I'm back from getting my coffee refill here at the beautiful Theo's Job Hut in downtown Rock Island. Um, well, that's what I found when I was reading the stories is that it's it's fairly vague, the parameters of it, but they're... It's it's a judgment call in a lot of ways, and you could look at things from a different perspective in terms of that. How um, more specific have they gotten in regard to judging what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate? Um, slightly more strict, right? There's more explicit things like this is appropriate, this isn't appropriate. Like clothing, for example, there was no... No real limit or whatever on clothing before. Uh, That's like buying a polo with the Rock Island logo on to wear to an official function or something like that. Now the new rules say that you can use your representation fund to buy one article of clothing up to like a $60 value or something like that, right? Uh, So we had aldermen buying like hundreds of dollars worth of clothing on this fund, which was a little like, okay, there's no way that you could possibly need that much clothing for to represent yourself at official functions, right? Now, did these items of clothing have the Rock Island logo upon them, or were they just random items of clothing that, you know, people were buying? My single vest that I purchased with my representation fund has the Rock Island logo on it. I honestly have no idea if my... I know that a number of my fellows on the council... um, did have Rock Island logos on the clothing that they purchased. Or a lot of the times what people would do is they would just take a a regular business shirt that they already owned and then they would go get the logo embroidered on it and then use the fund to pay for that. Um, Like the ones that used hundreds of dollars, I I don't know. And I I don't particularly care whether there was a logo or not. That seems excessive to me. Um, But, you know... One of the things... Listen, Dylan, my Brock Allen mink coat is certainly... I think that that's justified. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, I... You know, one of the points that I was trying to make throughout this whole thing is that uh, corruption or inappropriate use of funds or whatever you want to call it is everywhere, right? It happens in government, it happens in business, it happens in unions, it happens in PTAs, it happens in churches. Everywhere you look, there's always somebody inappropriately using money somewhere. Uh, We can and we should come up with policies that prevent that, and I think that we did a good job with the recently enacted policy that the council voted on at the last council meeting. Um, But ultimately, I think that 
what is more important is that we ensure that the people that we're electing to represent us in City Hall, or any level of government for that matter, are quality people whose character will not have them engage in that type of behavior, regardless of whether there's a rule about it or not, right? Like, for example, not trying to toot my own horn, but I bought one vest with the Rock Island logo on it to wear when I go to things. I was the mayor pro tem for a year there. I had to go represent the city when the mayor was unavailable. I thought, hey, if we're going to be a professional, you know, big city, we better play the part and look like it. Um, and that was appropriate. Now, uh, so I guess uh, a major emphasis to me is that we should really be focusing as an electorate on making sure that the people that we elect aren't just fast talkers or saying the right things to make us, you know, happy, but are of good moral character <laughs> that will not, you know, that will not entertain behaving like some did. <laughs> was that the best I saw you in that had the Rock On logo on the front and on the back there was a Valkyrie riding a, li a flaming liger? Ah, yeah, that's it exactly. That was an excellent representation of Rock Island, Dylan. I, I am very proud of you for wearing that to represent us as a city. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so so what did you spend your money on that people were, were up in arms about? Defend yourself, Parker. What is it that you were spending your money on that people, you know, flung you into controversy on? I, I remember reading it was uh, some charitable donations and things of that nature that you felt that, you know, it was okay to, you know, appropriate the money on. Yeah, I think the biggest criticism of my spending was quote-unquote charitable donations. I say quote-unquote charitable donations because, um, well, and I guess this gets to my point here of... So, in uh, the paper, it was reported that I donated to things like uh, the Broadway Historic District Association, which is a neighborhood organization here in the Fifth Ward. Full disclosure, I live in Broadway, too, uh, and I previously have served on the neighborhood organization's board of directors. And then also, um, I donated to the Friends of Hauberg Civic Center, which is the nonprofit group that sprung up when the city was considering selling it a number of years ago, privatizing it. Uh, it has sprung up to support you know, continuing that establishment as a public uh, enterprise. Uh, now, how much are those organizations already supported through public funds? Or are they completely private? Private. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the reason I said quote-unquote donations is like, so the funds expended from my representation fund to those organizations were for specific projects or specific improvements. For example, the Broadway Historic District Association has been in the process of replacing our street signs with uh, beautified historic street signs that say both the contemporary street name, like the, the, numer the numerical system. Mm -hmm. Here in Rock Island, we have numbers on our systems, not names, so you can actually figure out where you're going in right, this city. Yeah. Um, and so, like, 22nd Street is there, but then underneath it on the street sign, it says the historic name, uh, Broadway or mm -hmm. Dock Street or whatever the street may be. Uh, just another nice touch of our neighborhood's emphasis on historic preservation and things like that. Um, so the Broadway Historic District Association started this fundraising effort to pay for these signs. The city wasn't going to pay for them. The city did donate the Public Works Department to install them, which was nice, but uh, they, they weren't going to pay for the signs. And so the nonprofit organization raised thousands of dollars to pay for this. I contributed 
uh, I can't remember now, a couple hundred dollars to finish up that fundraising campaign from my representation fund to pay for the street signs. What is the specific wording in regard to how funds from the representation fund are supposed to be spent? There isn't, or there wasn't any, and that was the criticism. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. Is like, it, what are the parameters of it? I mean, what does it even say? Like, oh, this is supposed to go for this or this or whatever. How do they define it? As here's this money. This is what you're supposed to spend it on. What does it say in the bylaws in regard to what you're supposed to spend it on? Uh, there was no language written out. It was simply being guided by state and federal laws saying that public funds need to be spent for the public good, uh, which, like we've said, is very much open to interpretation. Uh, so that's where, you know, I can understand if an older person is just donating funds to support some nonprofit that they like, right? If I was just giving money to Doctors Without Borders, because sure. I supported that as a personal person who believed in it, that's perhaps not supporting the public interest of the city of Rock Island. But the funds were used to support a program that replaced street signs in the city of Rock Island, right? I mean... So you were taking money from the city of Rock Island fund, and you were spending it to help the city of Rock Island. Is that is that correct? To our element... or as places physical things in the in the city of Rock Island street signs in terms of the Harburg thing a building of prominence whose success would be advantageous to the city of Rock Island am i correct in saying that yeah that's been my point the entire time is and i think the god damn you Dylan jesus how how dare you do that well and i think that that was uh, perhaps not clearly articulated by the city to either the press or to whomever, the public. Um, I can understand and I sympathize and I, it's, I get it that if people perceive it as aldermen just doling out public money to whatever nonprofit they think is their little pet project or sure. whatever, uh, then, yeah, that you could object to that because can you can you really defend the uh, public interest of that donation? Uh, but I always made my contributions for very specific physical improvements of Rock Island, um, whether it be the street signs that were replaced, whether it be one year I used representation fund. The Parks Department said that they weren't going to pay for the poinsettias at Hauberg's Winter and Bloom event, and so I said I'll cover it with my representation fund, right? So I bought a bunch of poinsettias for Hauberg. Um, I mean, Hallberg is a municipally owned building. It's owned by the city of Rock Island, right, and yeah. I was using the funds to buy decorations and poinsettias, which has been a part of the event for as long as the event's been on. I don't even know how long that event's been running. Um, but due to budget cuts and things like that, the Parks Department said, we're not paying for that anymore. Uh, so I stepped in and paid for it. You know, I mean, things like that, I think, are pretty clearly defendable as being, yeah, that was for the public good. But if all you see is... You know, Alderman Park Representation Fund, $400 contribution to the Friends of Hallberg Civic Center, it does justify saying, hey, what's this about here, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with me being questioned. Hey, what are you spending our money on? That's mm -hmm. a good thing. That's holding your elected officials accountable, and I believe in doing that. And I do that for my elected officials regularly. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, they, I, like I said in the beginning of this part of the interview, like w you, you take a bad situation and you do and you move forward with it, right? There was nothing wrong. There was a lot of um, questionable freedom in the policy, right? There was no written policies of what we were supposed to do with this money. We knew that it should be for the public good, but obviously. One person's definition of the public good, uh, public good is not the same as many other people's. So, perfectly fine putting some parameters in place. Um, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with the uh, policy that we have now. The, uh, you know, when we were debating it, essentially, I didn't care. I just wanted to make sure that I had demonstrated that I could use that representation fund for the good of Rock Island for the benefit of citizens, for my constituents, I just wanted to maintain the ability to do that. Uh, I didn't care if I had a t-shirt or whatever, you know, I, I didn't care about the specifics, but ultimately I just wanted to make sure that our policy that we decided on was not going to, it was going to protect against abuse and allow for the purpose of the fund, which is to benefit the citizens. And I believe our agreement at the end does that very thing. So I was happy to vote for it. Well, yeah, I think that there has to be more uh, uh, specific parameters in regard to it to, to define exactly what it is. When you have something that's vague, you need to define it. Although I um, think that it was a tempest in a teapot getting you involved because when you look at what you spent the money on, I would argue seven days a week, 24-7, that it's far more advantageous to spend the money to help with the new street signs that project a uh, more attractive view of our city than uh, a t-shirt or an item of clothing that has the logo of the city on it. I mean, that's kind of, who cares? Right. Honestly, it's one of those like strokey things that you go to a convention and look, I've got the name of the city on me. Who gives a crap? Honestly, um, you, I think there's more benefit to citizens to be spending it on things that directly impact the citizens and whether that be, you know, the Hauberg thing where, you know, it's a, it's an aesthetic thing that, um, draws people in and gives people a better aesthetic appreciation and image of the city, or certainly in a more permanent sense, the street signs, which again, they, that's a much more permanent aesthetic, um, upgrade in terms of the city. So I, I, when I was reading it and I Having talked to you about it, um, I just thought it was, you know, it, it, they were kind of like trying to hedge their bets in terms of, okay, well, you've got this one situation where it seems rather egregious, but while we're at it, let's go try and like pull a bunch of other people in to see, you know, what they've done. Um, they really were, it, it was a false equivalency to me. Did you feel that that was the, the case in, in regard to it, that you kind of got, you and others got kind of caught up in this scandal that was a legitimate scandal, this, you know, one particular individual that was spending money on things that, you know, are a little bit more questionable, but then it seemed like a couple of you, like, sort of got roped into it, and the things that you guys were doing did not seem anywhere near in the same league. Yeah, very much so, and that's where I started to take objection, you know, um... There, there was a, a study session where I traded words with some of the older people of just like, hey, like I've been saying, hey, I believe in what we're trying to do here. I think that this is a good idea and I'm supportive of it. I'm more than happy to work with my colleagues. But when you start making suggestions that I have inappropriately used the money uh, or that my character is just corrupt or something like that, then that's really offensive. It, it 
it was really quite difficult to understand how to navigate politically, right? Because you couldn't just come out and defend yourself because for the public at large that just reads the newspaper headline or whatever, then you just look like the Alderman Burke in Chicago that's trying to defend his cut, sure. right? I like my t-shirt. This is perfectly fine. Leave me alone, you know? You, you, you had to keep that in mind of like being cognizant that the public was really upset and legitimately upset about the behavior of one particular alderman. Um, but at the same time, trying to ensure that we didn't overreact and uh, cut ourselves off at the knees. Um, and like I said, and prevent the resource that we've had to benefit the city, which I believe I and my fellow colleagues on council now have done. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's the fun part of being an elected official is mm -hmm. as a normal citizen, Joe, you can kind of respond and say, hey, screw you, you know, I'm right. doing fine. But you can't do that as an elected official. You have to really realize what it looks like from the other side. And even though you may think that you're right, you have to be conscious of the valid points that the other side is making and not react to that and say, yeah, you know what, I can see how that's, that appears inappropriate or that was inappropriate. Uh, where can we go from here to move forward? And I think that's what we did pretty successfully in City Hall. Well, and that's where something like a media, this media, this is where like the true alternative media, quadcities.com, QC Uncut, our podcast system, uh, the on-digital podcast system, that's where that comes in and we perform a useful service for the community is that you can get this contextual, uncut, uncensored conversation. You're not just going to get the soundbite. You're not just going to get the blurb that's cut to fit in the newspaper. Um, people can listen to this entire conversation and hear me making sarcastic comments back to you and getting you know you to respond to them and you explaining it at length, what exactly you did why you know why you did it etc etc and i think a lot of people who maybe are just going by the headlines hopefully they're listening to this conversation and are thinking oh okay now i see the big picture now i see what he did and uh, you know it's really not that big of a deal honestly I, as somebody who pays has been paying taxes in rock island for a couple decades now i to me i don't Right. I didn't see anything inappropriate about it. I mean, if you were like, you know, buying, you know, mink coats and, and going out and, uh, yeah, getting the, the leather vest with the liger and the Valkyrie on the back and stuff, Dylan, I might question that. But, right, making a contribution to the Broadway street signs, and I think that that's okay. I'll give you a pat. I'll give you special dispensation on that one, Dylan. Thank you. You're very I appreciate welcome. that. Yeah. And, I mean, you know. One of my colleagues on city council tried to make the point of like, you know, the amount of money that we're debating here is is so small, is so small relative to the size of the budget of the city of Rock Island. And I knew the moment that he used the term, you know, small potatoes, that that was going to be the headline. And what do you know? It was. Sure. Um, and there is absolute valid uh, truth to the editorial board's comments that, you know, hey, it's not small potatoes. We should always be cognizant and mindful of spending public dollars. Um, but, you know, we had somebody visit Rock Island City Council at the last time, and during the public comment section, 
you know, he made the comment of, it really looks like we're just making a, a mountain out of a molehill here, right? We're debating $2,000 out of a $130 million budget, or $2,000 times the eight of us, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a significant amount of money. But when you don't have these venues where you can really discuss the context of what's going on, when you say things like, this is small potatoes, why are we putting this much time and effort into this issue when we could be addressing things like, how do we develop downtown Rock Island? Um, you know, opportunities like this really allow us to flesh it out and to say, hey, what's going on? How can we fix this? Let's move on and then address things like developing downtown Rock Island. So, um, yeah, that's the fun of being an elected official in 2019. There you go. Let's talk about some other controversial stuff. Okay, um, I've talked to some police officers who are not exceptionally happy with the... Um, uh, the legalization um, address that. Have you talked to any um, police officers in regard to that? Have you talked to any of the folks who have dissented against that? Um, no, not on, honestly, not really. Um, I've heard nothing but support. And they're fine with it. Uh, it doesn't mean that they don't have those that disagree with the legalization don't have valid points. Um, you know, our police officers that may be concerned about it, I think that they have valid points and it should be addressed. The things like how do we test for intoxication while driving, etc. I mean, that's valid. Right. And just yes. because I am so vocally in support of legalizing recreational marijuana doesn't mean that the concerns aren't valid and we shouldn't listen to them and just, ah, we'll be fine. You know, that's, right. that's a bad idea. Um, but Honestly, the vast, I mean, the only contact that I've received has been, heck yeah, this is going to be great. So, um, Other thing, recent shooting, downtown Rock Island, uh, how would you like to address that? Well, yeah, so that was very unfortunate. We had a very, what appears to be a very targeted attack, right? It wasn't a drive-by shooting where they just gunned up the place. Uh, a very much, the person who perpetuated that violence was trying to get somebody. I don't know why or whatever, um, but we had this attack occur in a long-standing, reputable business in downtown Rock Island. Uh, I called Terry, the business owner, after it occurred and reassured him that, you know, I know that you're doing a good job. Uh, he does a fantastic job yeah, at that is. establishment. Uh, any, you know, this event does not reflect on Terry's um, business or his um, what he does at that establishment. It was really unfortunate. I mean, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Search every single bag? Are you going to install metal detectors at every single door? No, no, no business, no bar in the Quad Cities has metal detectors going into it that I'm aware of, right? I mean, they have security there, uh, as they should. They have a dress code, I believe, as they should. And, and uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you can only do so much. And it was unfortunate that that occurred there. Um, luckily, you know, instances like these are very much down in Rock Island. Over the past decade, the violent crime in Rock Island has plummeted. Our police department has done a great job at uh, making sure that we're safe. And really, gun violence is an issue affecting the entire Quad Cities. It's not just Rock Island, and it's affecting the entire country, frankly. Um, We have professionals in place that are continuing to try to get to the bottom of this. Um, But 
like similar to the representation fund thing, I suppose, this is a good example of reassessing, okay, what are we doing? Where can we improve? You know, and like I was saying with that uh, economic development services agreement that we're considering with, with uh, uh, you know, a DARI or a QC chamber or something like that, is there an element where we could have more security in downtown Rock Island in the district area or the formerly known as the district area or whatever it's going to be going by now? Um you know, is there somewhere that we could include an agreement like that for security services where, uh, I don't know if that's a contracted service or something like that. We, we currently have police officers down there, and any time a business in downtown Rock Island wants to do an event like we do in the Ped Mall a lot, um, they have to hire off-duty police officers. Um, so there's a lot of security things in place, but always room for improvement to try to avoid as much as we can another incident like that occurring. Anything else that you'd like to talk about or anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things up? Uh, no, always a pleasure to be on here. I, uh, I enjoy our conversations. I really enjoy um, having the privilege of serving on Rock Island City Council. So a lot of days where it's really frustrating and really <laughs> difficult. Um, it seems like everything moves through molasses, you know, talking about this, register, uh, this downtown national register. I've been talking about that for two years, and it's just like, come on, let's get this done. Uh, but things take a long time, and, uh, you know, things are on the up for Rock Island. We've had millions and millions of dollars of private investment in the city over the past year. Um, things are only going to improve. So at the same time where I'm frustrated, I'm also really excited. So looking forward to seeing what this next year brings us, and always available. If anybody has any questions or comments, feel free to call me, text me. My phone number's on the city's website. Email me. Hit me up on Facebook, Nextdoor, <laughs> Twitter, whatever. I'm always available. Awesome. Dylan, thank you so much. And, again, thanks, as always, for being candid and um, open to conversation, letting us know what's on your mind and um, giving us the full context of you know what's been going on with you. And we've seen your name in the news. And I wanted to have you on the show. I've been wanting to have you on ever since that kind of popped up to have a conversation with you to give you the opportunity to give us the full context of that of that situation and and others as well a lot of other things going on as well yeah happy to do so thank you for inviting me and feel free to reach out in another six months or whatever i'll have more updates sounds good thank you very much dylan parker our guest today on qc uncut their number one rated podcast in the quad cities and your source for unedited uncensored uncut conversation with local newsmakers thanks a lot for listening i'm sean leary have a great day.